Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. It's Leap Day, one more day to celebrate Black History Month, and today the two women in Washington State leading the way for all workers. And we talk about exposing the corporate union busters, what Labor Lab is all about. Welcome to the Thursday, February 29th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have a total of three guests on the show today. For the first two segments, we're going to conference two very, very powerful and forward-thinking women. April Sims. April was elected president of the Washington State Labor Council in October of 2022, was sworn in to begin her four-year term in January of last year, and she is the first woman to be elected to the Washington State Labor Council as president and the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO state federation. Joining her will be Sharika Carter. Now, Sharika was on the slate with April Sims back in October of 2022. She uh, is the chief financial officer of the council, taking charge of all financial documents and records, overseeing all receipts and expenditures, reporting on those activities to the executive board and the convention. So along with April... She is part of the first leadership team of black women to lead an AFL-CIO state federation. What an accomplishment, huh? Now, we had April on the show back in the beginning of uh, January. And uh, when we were featuring several people on Black History Month, she said, you got to bring Sharika Carter in. And I'll tell you, Sharika, she's a fighter. The activist bug first hit her back in 2011 as a member of, and political organizer of UFCW 1059 in Columbus, Ohio. She was part of the team that overturned SB5, Governor John Kasich's Right to Work is Wrong bill. And I'll tell you, I remember talking about that day in and day out. Sharika says she is committed to fighting all forms of oppression and advancing the freedoms of all working people. And in the struggle for justice, she's guided by these words, not needing to clutch for power, not needing the light just to shine on me. I need to be one in the number as we stand against tyranny. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. There is a fighter. So we're going to talk about their journeys, and we're going to talk about the Washington State Labor Program, which is absolutely incredible. I want to tease you on that. She indeed is a fighter, and along with uh, April, we'll talk about their journey, and we'll talk about the Washington State Labor Program, which is quite phenomenal. They have done groundbreaking work on racial justice, equity, and the labor movement's responsibility to tackle racism. WSLC.org is a website to go to. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Bob Funk. Bob is the guy that started Labor Lab. Do check out their website, laborlab.us, and we'll take a look at the work that Labor Lab performed in 2023. In a nutshell, Labor Lab is the only, the only nonprofit watchdog group that tracks and investigates corporate spending on union busting, and there is a whole lot 
of corporate spending on union busting. I remember reading in one year, Amazon spent well over $3 million to bust unions. And for the most part, they've been getting away with it. But uh, the website gives all the information you need to know. Bob writes, unionizing your workplace isn't just protected by the National Labor Relations Act. It's protected by the U.S. Constitution. The First Amendment of the Constitution guarantees the freedom of speech, assembly, and petition, and guarantees freedom of association and is recognized by U.S. courts as a fundamental right. And speaking of union busting, get this, a shareholder at Starbucks wrote an open letter to the Securities and Exchange Commission alleging that Starbucks has failed to disclose $240 million it spent on union busting. The shareholder is the Strategic Organizing Center, which is a coalition of North American unions. So hats off to the Strategic Organizing Center and groups like Labor Lab. Again, the website is laborlab.us. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the two ladies running the Washington State Labor Council. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. Are you looking for a new health care partner for your union members? Let Antha Blue Cross and Blue Shield be your champion, making sure your members live their healthiest lives now more than ever. It's important to have a partner you can trust, one who understands the unique challenges unions face. Anthem provides a variety of options to meet your organization's needs and helps you control costs without sacrificing quality of care. For more information, visit anthem.com slash labor and trust. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, 
Back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Well, let's go to uh, line number one right now. And, well, actually, we have April Sims and Sharika Carter on that line, their conference. Now, we had April on the show at the beginning of the year. I believe it was like January 3rd. Now, April is the president of the Washington State Labor Council. She was elected in October of 2022 and then sworn in to begin her first four-year term in January of 2023. So she's got a little bit over a year as president of the State Labor Council in April, the first woman to be elected president and the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO state federation. Well, she's not alone. Her secretary <laughs> treasurer, Sharika Carter, is joining us on our live line, and she, I, I guess this was a slate. They had April and April Sims and Sharika Carter on the slate. They both came in together, and they are making history and I want to tell you, April, we, we talked to you. I, I'll get to you in a second here, but we have Sharika here. I want to learn a little bit more about her. And I was reading her bio here earlier in the show that she is a graduate of the Ohio State University. That is near and dear to my heart, Sharika, because three of my children, I think two of them are still paying their... <laughs> paying for their college education today at uh, the Ohio State University. So welcome to uh, both of you. Welcome back to America's Workforce to you, April. And uh, thanks for being here, Sharika. Um, Sharika, if you don't mind, let's start with you a little bit. Um, Talk to me a little bit about yourself. And uh, obviously, you're educated here in the state of Ohio. And then you found your way to Washington. Uh, Talk to me about that. Yeah, good morning. Uh, happy to join. Uh, let me start by saying go Bucks. <laughs> uh, I love yeah, it. while the Evergreen State is home, I am a forever Buckeye. So, you know, just want to throw that out there. But yeah, born and raised in Ohio. I come from a uh, union family. And at 16, I signed my, signed my first union card as a member of UFCW 10. 59, uh, working as a pharmacy technician at a CVS. And so uh, that's how I got my start in the union. Uh, while I like to joke, you know, that it was a discounted movie ticket that brought me in. It was the solidarity that kept me coming back um, and staying active as a member of political organizer. And uh, after graduation from the Ohio State University, I did some more organizing in Ohio and um, for sure found my way to Washington, uh, Washington State. And did you meet April right away then or, or how did that connection happen? Yeah, uh, I met April on the way back. Maybe that was like, yeah, 2017. Um, met April. 2016. I'm forgetting. Yeah. I met April in 2016 at a uh, training of the AFL-CIO as, you know, we were getting ready. We were all in for uh, Hillary. And so it was a political boot camp. That's where I first met April. We hit it off. And, you know, uh, you know how Facebook friends are. Like you see people on Facebook, mm-hmm. hit a couple likes, comment. Um, and then we happened to ran into each other in person in um, 2018 at the Martin Luther King Conference, the AFL-CIO. Uh, Human and Civil Rights Department 
at the MLK Conference 2018, and I uh, congratulated April on her promotion from field director to political and strategic campaign director at the Washington State Labor Council. And um, from there, I would say it was like a fate. <laughs> but, you know, I'm happy to let April jump in. I feel like she always tells the story better than me. But I will say, like, you know, yeah, go ahead, April. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I don't have to do anything. April, it's all yours. It sounds like you were you were chummy from the start. Am I am I hearing that correctly? You are hearing that correctly. You know, when I first met Sharika at the uh, political boot camp training for the AFL CIO in twenty sixteen, she was leading out our group in um, a, a walk. We were going to do a door knock, and something happened. The packets weren't ready. There was something that happened, and in the moment, in front of the room, she did this natural pivot. And I thought to myself, oh, she's an organizer. i got to get to know her better. Um, so I was tracking her work over a, a, a couple of years. And when we had an open position um, here in Washington at the State Labor Council for field director, I recruited Sharika Heavy. And um, she said yes and decided to come out and um, work for the Washington State Labor Council with me as the political and strategic campaigns director and her as the field director. And um, I got to know her work, her attention to detail, her ability to implement um, ideas and innovate um, creative uh, solutions. And uh, when I ran for president of the Washington State Labor Council, I asked her if she would run to be my secretary treasurer and she agreed and here we are. And uh, I think the beautiful thing about mine and Sharika's relationship and our partnership is that I like to innovate and she likes to implement and together we make a really formidable team and I'm grateful that the union leaders in Washington state could see that as well and chose to elect us to serve in this capacity. That's awesome. Yeah, the last time I talked to you April, I really enjoyed the conversation and I and it's it's so important too the fact that you have two people, women of color here that are in charge of a federation. What, what the last number I saw was what, 630,000 members across the state of Washington. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we represent over a half a million union workers in every industry sector and corner of this beautiful state and proudly boast having the third highest union density in the nation. Um, and we're always organizing. So hoping to come for that number one spot in the next couple of years. Uh, but we have a really vibrant labor movement in Washington state with a lot of really strong uh, leaders that have a real commitment to racial and gender justice. And let's talk to Sharika, if, if you don't mind, let's go back to you. And I saw that uh, you worked on a campaign in the state of Ohio that I am so darn familiar with. And I hope it doesn't come up again. I'm talking about SB5 when you were that political organizer at UFCW 1059 in Columbus, you were part of that team. And I remember that because in, in 2010, we had several governors. There was Kasich in Ohio, Snyder in Michigan, and Scott Walker in Wisconsin. And they just wanted to crush unions. That, that was their agenda. And I'm happy to report, and you know this, Michigan has turned around. They're no longer a right-to-work state. Folks here in Ohio said, no, that we're not going down that road with, with SB5. You know, today, I'm kind of scared about that. I hope it doesn't happen again because the politics have changed here. But take me back to that time. That, that had to be a learning experience for you, right, Sharika? 
Yeah, uh, it was that campaign, Senate Bill 5, and the work we did, working people did all across Ohio that honestly it changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, before SB 5 and the work that I did, like gathering signatures and our work all the way up until November to, you know, get that on the ballot as Senate or as a as issue two and to, you know, reject it at a two to one margin, I was going to be a pharmacist. <laughs> Uh, but it was that night on stage celebrating with union members and people all across the state. It changed the trajectory of my life. It was like, man, this is what solidarity looks like in, in the power of the unions. And so um, it absolutely was uh, a learning experience for me. And we know that, you know, right to work uh, is about taking away the freedom of working people to join together in strong unions. And um, we, we knew that for what it was in Ohio, and I'm glad we were able to uh, to defeat the uh, wealthy uh, corporations and the politicians who do their bidding. Yeah, even John Kasich would admit that the unions kicked his butt on that one. He didn't see that coming. He he didn't see the the power of all the unions collectively uh, working and making sure that that was not going to happen in the state of Ohio. Now, April, none of that kind of none of that craziness happens in your state in Washington. You talked about union density, but it seems like you are pretty much a union-friendly state when you when you compare, take a look what's going on especially in the southern states and all that. But Washington state seems pretty uh, union strong, right? Well, I mean, you know, we do have a lot of solidarity. We have a lot of strong unions. We have um you know, we have been able to leverage that solidarity into institutionally recognized power, but we don't take anything for granted here in Washington State. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want your listeners to think that the streets in Washington are paved in progressive gold. Um, you know, we fight very hard for every victory we win on behalf of workers, families, and communities. We're in the middle of a fight right now to pass uh, unemployment for striking workers and to ban captive audience uh, meetings. And, um, you know, that those bills don't get passed by themselves. They get passed because we work really closely in solidarity with all of our affiliated unions to, uh, to pass those good policies. But we, um, you know, we're thankful that we have it much easier than workers do in states like Florida and Texas, that's for sure. Well, as you know, this is the last day of black history month and we get an extra day this year because it's leap day i want to talk about what you're doing and you have a program this is all posted on your website the race and labor program let's do that next april sims and sharika carter joining us on our live line today april is president sharika secretary treasurer of the washington state labor council we'll continue right after this you're listening to america's workforce with ed flash ferens It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, 
and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit bacweb.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those uh, five-star ratings. And keep in mind, too, if you like a show, share that show because we count the downloads. And I'll tell you, we had a banner year last year in 2023. 25% increase over 2022. We're getting more new voices on the show and certainly more sponsors. So we do appreciate that. Everything is archived at awfpodcast.com. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go back to uh, Washington State. And joining us is April Sims, who's president of the Washington State Labor Council. She is the first woman to be elected president, the first black woman elected to the presidency of an AFL-CIO state federation. And joining her today is Sharika Carter, who was on the slate when she became elected back in October of 2022. And Sharika is secretary-treasurer of the Washington State Labor Council. You know, this, uh, this portion of our conversation, it is the last day of Black History Month, and I want to reflect on that. And April, let's start with you this time. Because uh, when you were on earlier this year, you talked about your your experience mm-hmm. of uh, growing up poor, growing up uh, growing up in the South, and I know you were a, what a granddaughter of sharecroppers in Louisiana, and the That's daughter right. of a single mom. Can, can you take me take me back to that time growing up? Because it's important that people know your journey. And look at you today. Look what you've accomplished today. But if you don't mind, take us back there, April. Yeah. Well, I always say that I'm only here because of the support of my union, that someone invited me to a union meeting and saw leadership in me before I saw it in myself, and that the labor movement invested in me and invested in my leadership and created space and pathways for me. 
But, you know, my story really begins with my mom's union job, um, getting our family off of welfare and giving her economic dignity for the first time. And at a young age, I could see the power that the union um, and the power of the labor movement in our lives. You know, when my mom worked as a psychiatrical security attendant at the mental health institution ran by the state, and her union asked me fought for back pay because they reclassified her position. She used that money to buy her first car, which meant she didn't have to take the one-and-a-half-hour bus trip from our house all the way out to the hospital where she worked. When her supervisor was making inappropriate comments and she was afraid to say anything because she didn't want to risk her job, she knew her kids were counting on her. Uh, she did mention it to a coworker who happened to be a union shop steward, and her union shop steward told her that she wasn't the one who needed to worry about losing her job. You know, and after 30 years of working at this mental health institution, she was able to retire with economic dignity and financial stability, all made possible because she had the opportunity to join a union. So, you know, I know firsthand the difference that a good union job can make in the life of a worker, their families, and their communities, and the generational impact that those jobs have over time. I'm living proof of that. So, you know, I mean, my, my family's, and my personal um, union story and personal union experience um, are what guide me. Um, what's you know driven my service in the labor movement? It's what drives my vision for the work that we can do together to build the type of labor movement that all workers want to be a part of. The labor movement where all workers feel like there is space for them and their stories and their leadership. Um, which is why I'm so excited uh, to be leading the labor movement in Washington State alongside Sharika Carter. And, and Sharika, you pointed out in the first segment, you got the bug as a uh, as an organizer, a political organizer, back in uh, well, some years back in Columbus, Ohio, when we were fighting SB five. So a, a different journey, but together you're you're working and you're making a difference in, in labor and you're making history at the same time which is which is phenomenal and that's what we're talking about here on the show uh, i want to get into this um race and labor program and april or sharika any any one of you can pick up on this but i saw this posted on your website which by the way is wslc.org and i want to tell you i go to a lot of union websites this one is top notch. Who's ever working on this one? You got a lot of good information posted on there. So uh, I, uh, I I salute you for that. But uh, the, this race and labor program, and I'm reading about groundbreaking work on racial justice, equity, and the labor movement's responsibility. Key word is responsibility to tackle racism. And I'll tell you, with what's going on in the world today, we need all the help we can get. So April or Sharika, feel free to chime in on this. Explain to me this program and its importance, and perhaps maybe other state labor councils should follow your lead. Go ahead. Sharika, you want to take this one since I just did all the talking? Yeah, uh, happy to jump in. Yeah, uh, yes. So let me start by saying this. Uh, the consultation. Constitution of the White uh, Washington State Labor Council calls on us to combat resolutely the forces that seek to undermine the democratic institution of our nation and to slay the human soul. We shall strive always to win full respect for the dignity of the human individual whom our union serves. 
And that is from the preamble of the Washington State Labor Council from our Constitution. And so our charge is clear that it is absolutely our work as a labor movement, as labor leaders, to make sure that we are doing the work to grow our movement and make sure that it is inclusive in a welcoming movement that all folks want to join. And that is part of our work, our race and labor work, is to make sure that we're having conversations in our unions to make sure that we are doing the work uh, to to be anti-racist every single day. Um, we know inherently all things founded here in the United States are uh, inherently racist, right? Uh, you know, systemic racism, you know, plays a part also uh, in our unions. And so it is our work every day to make sure that we are doing the work to undo that so that, you know, so that our union, so that this movement grows and so that people see themselves in the movement, there's a place for them and like folks uh, can join. And so I'm excited to, to do this work here in Washington State uh, to make sure that we continue to have these conversations and doing the work every single day to be an actively anti-racist um, organization. I'm reading that uh, a lot of this work, this program, began in 2015, and then I guess it picked up. You got uh, some more buy-in two years later, April. Um, how effective would you uh, would you say this uh, race and labor program has been? I know you you you're, you haven't been president that long, but I I think you probably have a good gauge of of what's happening. Can you can you explain some of this to us? Absolutely. And thank you, Shrika, for lifting up our Constitution and uh, the work that we are charged with doing. You know, when we started, when we passed our first resolution in 2015, calling on the State Labor Council to take up uh, the AFL-CIO, then President Richard Trumka's call um, for the labor movement to have a conversation about our role in dismantling systemic and institutional racism, we took that work seriously. You know, we started with a working committee uh, design that designed the curriculum that we now affectionately call race and labor, creating space for union members to deepen their understanding of um, racism and the way that it manifests, um, as well as our personal responsibility uh, to interrupt oppressive moments when and where we see them. You know, we uh, create space to walk through our country and our union's history of racism, and all designed to get folks to a shared definition of racism as a system of oppression that is designed to divide the working class so the wealthy elite can consolidate their wealth and their power at the top. And if we acknowledge that racism has been used to divide workers, um, then then we also can acknowledge that dismantling racism is our job um, because it threatens our solidarity and anything that threatens our solidarity makes us weak. So starting with that premise and starting with that, um, that full day training that we developed, we have been able to hire a full-time director of racial and gender justice to really move this work forward certify over 60 trainers so that they can facilitate these conversations in their own unions. And now we're working with other uh, AFL-CIO bodies in other states to help them develop programs um, to move this work in their own in their own states. And it's really exciting where we are right now, working with a handful of other states and with the national AFL-CIO um, to bring this program and variations of this program to other states so that we can use racial equity as a tool to negotiate stronger contracts and use racial equity as a tool to organize new workers into the union. And um, it's really an exciting time to be leading this work. 
So Washington State, I was right. I I had a hunch that Washington State took the lead on that, and you you uh, you definitely laid it out for me um, on the website. Again, those of you listening, wslc.org. I'm going to read something from uh, 2019 that you posted, April. Black history informs the future of organized labor. And I believe you were secretary treasurer back then. This is a pivotal moment for organized labor. Our economy is changing once more. Without the leadership of unions, workers will once again pay the price. Without leadership from workers of color, we cannot stand united against the billionaires and bosses who threaten our livelihoods and our future. Wow. Some powerful words there. And, uh, and words that resonate. I mean, everybody listening right now, we, we have to do this together. And, and you know, you know how the big bosses would like to divide us. I mean, is, isn't that pretty much the game plan? Maybe, Sharika, you could pick up on that. You've got some experience. You were that political organizer back in, in Columbus, Ohio, fighting SB5. You remember that time, don't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we have to stand united against the billionaire bosses who threaten our livelihoods and our future. Um, just as April said, you know, racism is a tool used by the wealthy elite to divide and conquer. And so uh, we know that racism is a strategy, and we we can't let uh, we can't let strategy win. And so. Absolutely, here in uh, Washington State, I'm proud of the work that we're doing through our Race and Labor Program. And so, you know, as April mentioned, you know, this is work we've been doing since we took the charge of then-President Richard Trunka. Um, and so, like, as we continue to do this work in Washington State, you know, we've passed multiple resolutions to call on us to continue this work to make sure that we're having the conversations and you know, piggybacking off exactly what April said, like this is resulting in real wins for workers here in Washington State, better wages as we're thinking about equity when we're at the contract table, what this means with our policy as we are, um, how can we center black folks and other people of color? And so, you know, would uh, definitely want to lift up our racial equity and policy toolkit that folks can also find on our uh, website, you know, we are in the middle of legislative session right now. And so um, what it means when we are um, centering black people and people of color in that legislation and how we're able to make sure that the legislation is, is uh, equitable. And so, you know, would want to lift up one of our, you know, current bills that we're working on when we're talking about um, fair pay for women um, and especially thinking about black women and other women of color and like what it means to make sure that, you know, we have equitable pay, fair pay on the job. And we know that for us with our uh, unions, like the union difference, but um, you know, what it means when people aren't in the union is so we want to lift up the uh, equal pay and opportunities acts um, here in Washington state and specifically wanted to lift up Senate bill uh, 58 94, which would include uh, more protected classes under the existing Equal Pay Opportunities Act um, to include things like uh, race, making sure that um, black women, you know, aren't discriminated against um, on the job. And so, you know, want to lift that up as, you know, just as a way um, as we're thinking about um, our race and labor program in a real way that is just not something abstract, but it's leading to real change.
Boy, Sharika, you came prepared to play in this interview. I, I like what you said there. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, Again, you know, me and website... April, uh, we're like a work hard, play hard. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> April, you got, a, you got a good catch there. You know that, don't you? Uh, Sharika always comes prepared. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I love that. Again, this is uh, got to check out the website wslc.org, the uh, the race and labor program. Good stuff there, and again, groundbreaking work on behalf of the Washington State Labor Council. Well, April and Sharika, thank you so much for joining us on this special edition. Here, we're trying to salute as many people of color, especially during uh, Black History Month, and you're making history. I mean, female, black females in charge of a labor federation. My gosh, that's awesome. And you're, 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 you're moving. I always say this, you move the needle in the right direction. Just keep moving it in the right direction and we'll all be better off, you know? So you take care and uh, good luck to both of you. Please stay in touch. Okay. Thank you so much for having us on. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, it's Bob Funk talking about labor lab and union busting right after this. This is America's Workforce. It takes Liuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Liuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.com. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrets with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. 
That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to the great state of Montana. And at Helena, Montana, that's the capital of that state, there resides Mr. Bob Funk. And he's been on the show a couple of times, and he's here to talk about his organization called Labor Lab. Now, Labor Lab, briefly, is the only nonprofit watchdog organization that tracks and investigates corporate spending on union busting. And if you've been listening to this show, and hopefully you'll continue to listen to this show because we try to expose what's going on in the fight against workers, there's a whole lot of money spent on union busting. Amazon alone, I remember reading a figure, I think it was like $3.4 million, and that was for just one year, and that's one company. It's amazing how much money is spent to suppress workers, and Bob watches it all from his office in Montana. Bob Funk, welcome back to America's Workforce. Thanks for joining us. I should mention the uh, website, too. It's laborlab.us, laborlab.us. And right on the homepage, and I want to start off the interview, if you don't mind, about um, our workplaces. They are protected by the National Labor Relations Act and the U.S. Constitution. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Apparently, that message is not resonating with the corporate America. You you could pick it up from there, brother. Thank you so much, brother, and it's always um, such a pleasure and honor to be on your show. Uh, yeah, this, this concerted and coordinated attack against the National Labor Relations Act and specifically the National Labor Relations Board by Elon Musk, SpaceX, and Starbucks. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't come as a surprise. The Federalist Society, the conservative, extremely conservative uh, organization that has basically uh, groomed most of our Supreme Court justices to tear down any progress we made in the 20th century, um, has been pushing to get rid of the NLRA. We all know that the, uh, uh, the act was ruled constitutional, um, uh, just a few years after it was passed, but that hasn't stopped these billionaires um, from trying to undo decades of progress. I mean, it's no exaggeration. People have been saying this for years, but, I mean, it is almost a mirror image of where we were 100 years ago when it came to the robber barons and um, the corporate vampires trying to own the courts, trying to dismantle any rights that exist, um, so that they can make even more ungodly uh, profits and buy more spaceships for themselves. The thing is, the one thing that gives me hope, brother, is that uh, the 1920s resulted in some of the most important legislation we've seen in our nation's history, including the National Labor Relations Act. Um, but, you know, if I'm a billionaire, it, listen, Elon Musk is, people think Elon Musk is a genius. He is not. He is an idiot. If he wants to get rid of the NLRA and get rid of the labor piece that that was supposed to create, then let's have at it, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing what's going on and how they're using the courts to uh, really just change change workers' rights. And, and there were decisions, to your point, in years past saying, yeah, it, this is legal, this is okay. But, I mean, you look at the Janus decision. There's a good example there. That was in 2018. That was already decided years before in the 1970s, I believe, but then again, they reversed it. I mean, we're seeing that happen almost day in and day out. But beyond that, uh, Bob, 
aren't we protected by the U.S. Constitution when it comes to freedom of association? You point that out on your website. Isn't that the case then? Absolutely. Um, we believe strongly, and most um, credible academics and legal scholars agree as well, that the right um, and freedom of association, a.k.a. the freedom to join together in unions, is protected under the U.S. Constitution. And the NLRA is simply a mechanism, and an NLRB is simply a mechanism to protect that right. The NLRA did not create the right to a union. It created a way to protect the right to a union. Um, so if you um, rule that the NLRA or the NLRB are unconstitutional, then it's in inherently a paradox because it, they're designed to protect a constitutional right. And mm -hmm. I know that gets a little bit in the weeds here, but um, at the end of the day, they basically want to roll back any prote legal protections that exist for that constitutional right. Yeah, good point. So why don't you explain what Labor Lab does? In a nutshell, you, you kind of like cast a light on the, the misdeeds of corporate America. And, and you can yeah. pick it up from there because there, <laughs> that's a load yeah. right in itself. There's a lot, lot yeah. going on, isn't there? Yeah, uh, we are not wanting for work. Um, there's, uh, there's plenty of work out there, unfortunately. Um, because we, and, and it's actually increasing um, as we've seen a greater interest in organizing over the last few years. We've seen an increase in employer resistance to worker rights. We see more and more employers hiring union-busting consultants before a union petition has even been filed in an attempt to inoculate their workplace from uh, and discourage their workers from having a voice in the workplace. Um, but to your question, uh, Labor Lab, as you said at the top, is the only watchdog organization that on a daily basis goes through federal filing to identify employers that have engaged uh, anti-union consultants, union busters, to come in and coerce and intimidate workers. Um, the thing is, a lot of times these consultants hide their identity or misrepresent their identity, um, sometimes pretend, sometimes give the, insinuate that they are just experts on federal law or the NLRB or the NLRA. Um, our job is to not only call out these corporations for hiring union busters, and that's incredibly important work since 71% of Americans support the right to unionize. They want to know if the companies, not just Amazon, not just Starbucks, um, but if companies in their community are trying to stifle their neighbors' voices. In addition to that, though, we work directly with uh, local unions and international unions to provide them, uh, to alert them when uh, they are coming under attack from union busting industry consultants. A lot of the time, as I said, they misrepresent themselves. So these guys won't even, uh, the, the, our union brothers and sisters won't even know that they've been hired until uh, you know they're halfway through their union busting campaign already. So that's a lot of um, the work we do. And then lastly, the most important part of this is there is a law, the Labor Management Relations and Disclosure Act, that, um, the, that regulates this kind of work in an attempt to protect pe uh, workers' rights to a democratic union. And that includes financial disclosures uh, regarding union busting activities and alerting workers in a timely manner if they've decided to oppose the union. The problem is that for decades, um, the U.S. Department of Labor did not take the management side of this law very seriously. That has changed under this current administration, and we've seen 
big progress under uh, under that. Um, we've actually seen through our work and the Department of Labor's work a 270% increase in compliance with timely um, filing and notification. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it gets to the workers in time, so we still have lots of work to do there. Also, the annual financial disclosures that corporations and these uh, union busting consultants are supposed to uh, file so that we can see how much, um, how, how many millions of dollars they spent uh, to, you know, stop 12 people from organizing, and that's not an exaggeration. We have plenty of examples of that. Unfortunately, that compliance is still low, um, but we're very proud of the work that we did last year. Uh, we not only uh, improved compliance with the law, which allowed us to get uh, critically important information to workers so that they could exercise their right to unit. We engaged in around 250 campaigns around the country. Um, we have over 100 uh, local, international, and labor federations that are part of our coalition now. People are taking this very seriously because they see the massive attack that is happening on the right to union, um, on the on the right to unionize and the freedom to join together in unions. Um, it's coming from every angle, and we are trying to uh, set up one buttress uh, for the labor movement so that not only workers' rights uh, to unionize are protected, but so that they can actually exercise them. Uh, we see that most America, at least half of Americans, want to join a union. But union density is about where it's been for a while. There's a reason for that, and that's because of fierce employer opposition that is rampant throughout this country. If you look at any of our union-busting trackers that we've put out over the last two years, you will see that there's virtually no state and very few communities that haven't seen employers going after hardworking people. And that has gone underreported for way too long. We're proud of the attention we're bringing to this and uh, serving as a hub of information for the labor movement at large. Because we do, the, the larger, the labor movement unions do not have the same resources that uh, the bad guys do. So we want to help organizers on the ground and we want to inform uh, people, workers, and the media um, so that we can have a better idea of just how much is being spent on this, what their tactics are, and just who is guilty of uh, trying to suppress people's constitutional rights, going back to what we were originally talking about. So last year, 2023, was pretty much a banner year for unions. A lot of organizing, a lot of good contracts, double-digit raises. We talk about that a whole lot on the show. With that being said, obviously, the, the corporate attorneys and the, the CEOs were saying, well, maybe we should up the ante here call XYZ law firm and, and, and suppress this. And it's probably continuing this year. Is that, is that pretty because of what's going on? They're ramping up. Is that what's happening right now, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are, instead of wanting to work with the American people, and I'm talking consumers and workers because both are majorities that are on the side of uh, the right to unionize. Instead of working with, with the majority of us, they want to hoard their profits and their power uh, more than they already have. And we already know about wealth inequality in this country and all the problems mm -hmm. that we're facing. They are definitely going to ramp this up. And with the, uh, the courts, the, the way they are, especially our top court, they are going to try to take advantage of this as best they can to roll back um, any the very few protections that workers actually have when it comes to the right to unionize. They want to roll that back. Um, and it's, it's a real shame because a few years ago we were talking about uh, 
passing the PRO Act, which would actually strengthen the right to unionize and finally protect it in a meaningful way. And corporate America is responding by um, hiring some of the most expensive law firms in the country on million-dollar retainers in an attempt to um, stifle, intimidate, and scare workers off from uh, unionizing. And, you know, th this is just one aspect of it. Um, you know, uh, Starbucks subpoenaed um, they, they got charged with an unfair labor practice because their law firm uh, subpoenaed all of these workers that had nothing to do with the case just to scare off a low-paid uh, young worker with a subpoena. They're trying everything they can, to every kind of legal trickery they can, to uh, scare and intimidate workers. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's delay, 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 scare, scare, scare. Yeah, justice delayed is justice denied. That's that's what's going on. That's so uh, let, let's just wrap it up here. Um, your message to unions. Now, obviously, unions are doing a bang-up job organizing, and they're getting that pushback. Can they contact you at Labor Lab, find out what's going on, what the, what the corporate creeps are doing to, to crush their organizing effort? How does that work, Bob? Yeah, absolutely. We were really proud. Um, last year, we held a convening. We brought together uh, uh, folks from 25 international unions, local unions all over the country, worker centers, and uh, policy advocates, and really uh, came away with how can we get our arms around this industry and empower workers. And the, the decision was, well, Labor Lab needs to serve as the hub for this information and to disseminate this information as well. So that is exactly what we have been doing and are ramping up our ability to do. Contact me. My information's on the website. As you said, it's laborlab.us. Uh, we offer trainings, webinars, but at the heart of our work is assisting and alerting um, workers and their unions when they're under attack. Um, it's great to have a, a pre-existing relationship with uh, the local unions and the international unions because that makes it easier for us to get information out to them. Um, so I very much encourage folks to contact us. Um, and yeah, we do we do offer a very small membership. To, as you, you said at the top, we're a nonprofit, so we kind of we will help anyone and everyone, but we do depend on the financial support we receive from activists and uh, local unions and national unions around the United States. Um, or else this information just simply doesn't get collected, doesn't get analyzed, and doesn't get distributed to the local unions, to the media, and to the public. You can help them, and you got to help out Labor Lab. And if you go to that website, you can do that. Just go to laborlab.us, laborlab.us. we got to expose what's going on in America, and Bob Funk is doing a great job. You take care, my friend. Let's, uh, let's talk down the road and keep everybody apprised of what's going on in America, okay? Thank you so much, brother. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, Dorsey Hager of the Central Ohio Building Trades, and it's our first Friday with Fred. Fred Redman of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.